Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast is from our series on the New Testament and features teaching on the book of Hebrews. Today we're going to be studying the book of Hebrews, and we'll try and get through it fast since there's a big step. Who was it written to? Any guesses? Who are the Hebrews? Oh, good job. Does it say that? Oh, good. You have a blank there. It's written to all the Jewish Christians, also known as the Hebrews. So, this is immediately, if you've been here for any number of weeks, you see how this is different than some of the other ones, right? Yeah, a lot of those books, Romans, and a lot of Ephesians, um, stuff like that, they're written mostly to Gentiles. This one is written... Um, to Jewish Christians, it assumes they know the Old Testament. If you read that and you don't, if you read Hebrews and you don't really know the Old Testament very well, you're going to be kind of lost probably. Um, it's a call to separate from Judaism, and it was probably either to Jerusalem or Rome. It's kind of hard to say who was to. It's to Jews in a certain place, and then it probably got circulated around to lots of different places. Now, the interesting question is, who wrote it? Usually, there's like, the letter of Paul and Timothy to the believers at Ephesus, or whatever. This one doesn't have, it never says who this is to. And one of the reasons that some people have said for this is, if you read it, it really resembles very closely a sermon. And so, some people say that maybe it wasn't even necessarily a letter, so much as it was a sermon that was preached and written down and then circulated to people. Because um, it reads very much like a sermon. So it's really hard because it doesn't have a name attached to it. Paul? <laughs> Question mark? Um, the reason that people think it might be Paul is that he talks about being imprisoned in 1034. The friend of Timothy mentions in uh, chapter 13, 23. And there's lots of Old Testament uses, which Paul does a lot in his letters, too. There's a lot of similarities to that. Um, but in the end, we don't really know. Some other suggestions are Aquila slash Priscilla, Barnabas, Apollos. I'd say next to Paul, Barnabas is usually the next choice for who it was, was written by. The reason some people don't would say maybe not Paul is like just like if Sam writes a letter to someone and uh, Rachel, either one of you, writes a letter to someone, like you're going to have different writing styles. This has a little different style than Paul's letters usually do. It seems like it might be someone else. But, again, that could be because it's a sermon. So um, there's a lot of good reasons to think Paul wrote it and some good reasons to think maybe he didn't. The other important things in it, there's, there's really a lot in here. Excuse me. <coughs> we don't have a lot of time, and it's a big book. But one of the big things that's really famous, chapter 11, is the Faith Hall of Fame. It like, talks about all of the people who had faith in the Old Testament and stuff. And so we're actually going to read that in just a couple minutes, um, and I have some thoughts on that. But that's one of the big things that people get from it. Also, there's five warning passages. And these things are really difficult and for reasons that I don't necessarily need to go into. But they're like, beware of, of um, falling away. And it's like, 
it says beware beware you know like and so there's these warning passages so he, he'll preach a little bit and give some theology and then say and don't do this beware don't do what your fathers did and so there's all these uh, five warning passages throughout here which also make the letter kind of famous and kind of um, split it up into different pieces theme Jesus and his work are the center of everything that and, should, and that should drive us to spiritual maturity so I kind of made it like a today <coughs> application but when he's writing to Jewish Christians he says you know what Jesus is the center be mature in your theology understand what he did and who he was and I'm going to hopefully help you understand this a little bit the purpose was to encourage them to have maturity to warn them of spiritual dangers those are the warning passages I talked about and then the big one this is, this is really the point of Hebrews is to show that Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrificial system and so I'm going to talk about this a little bit and you're going to be like oh this is kind of boring but I think it does apply to us today if we take the principles behind it so um, I have a little diagram for you there and I have actually when he, he talks about this he talks about a priesthood he talks about um, Aaron who is the priest Moses' brother and then how Jesus is a new priest in the order of Melchizedek and <laughs> we don't have time to talk about that it's kind of complicated but Jesus is a new priest I kind of changed it to Revelation I think it's a, a little easier to understand so Revelation comes on the bottom and then when we talked about the Old Testament we talked about the fact that there was three major kinds of writing the law the prophets and the other writings basically and so Revelation comes on the bottom and then those things go on top of it it's like the foundation they unfortunately we're thinking of it backwards like the law is the base of everything so revelation is the foundation of understanding the life of God's people when there's a new revelation there's a new system Jesus is the new revelation leave the old ways now I have an illustration that will hopefully help you I, this is my old iPod and it is no this is fifth generation video it's like cracking open you can see um, and it won't even turn on anymore <laughs> it's it's really bad but um, so let's say you have an old iPod like I did and then you have the chance to get a new one right you're really used to this one I have this one and I read the owner's manual I know how it works because I remember when I first got this I was really kind of confused I'd never done it it's not like the normal like play and like how do I turn this off there's no off button and so you read the owner's manual and you're like oh you turn the little click wheel you push menu and stuff like that and so I, I grew to know this iPod I understood how it worked I understood I had to twirl this little thing that took forever and all kinds of stuff so I understood this so now let's say I want my new iPod touch right and I look at it and I'm like oh man I don't know how this works so I look at my owner's manual for this one and I'm like turn the click wheel Oh crap! <laughs> Slide the hold button to the off, to the off of the position to turn it on. And you're like, huh? The hold button? And like, there's all good. I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure it out, but I have I don't have the right manual, and so I'm just like, forget that. I'm never going to learn how that works. What would so? What do you do, right? Instead of someone offers you a new iPod, and you're like, I can't have that one because I don't have the owner's manual for that one. What would you do? Get a, new manual. get a new manual right this is what was going on with the Jewish Christians they had this old stuff they had the revelation that God gave before and he said you sacrifice to, pe- to these animals to God and you do this and you have the law and the prophets and the writings and they're clinging to this and 
he's saying, and they're saying, okay, this Jesus stuff, they're trying to fit the old manual into the new one. And so they're like still doing sacrifices, and they're still doing all this stuff. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 no. There is new revelation. There is a new iPod. Get a new manual. Don't just reject it because, like, man, this isn't working. Crap, where's the, where's the, the click wheel thing? He's like, no. Don't reject it just because you have an old manual. Get a new manual. And this is why he's calling him to spiritual maturity. He's saying, okay, you have this old system and you're sacrificing and stuff. That's the crappy first generation iPod. There's a new revelation, a better revelation in Jesus. Learn how to understand that. You don't need to sacrifice anymore because Jesus was the best sacrifice. You had priests before who were sinful. Jesus is sinless. He is the eternal sacrifice. Those were just for a time. He was a man. They were just animals. This is better in so many ways. It has so many better features. Let go of the old crappy iPod. Take the new one. That's what he's saying to them. Forget about the manual. Now, get your new manual. Understand, before you had the law, the law of Moses, now you have the law of the Spirit, where you don't have to uh, worry about, do, you can't walk um, more than a third of a mile on the Sabbath. They have 613 laws in Jesus' time. It's recorded. 613 specific laws that they had to follow. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, come on, guys. Like, You don't need that anymore. That was just the beginning. It's, it's a shadow of the awesomeness to come. right? Those things were to help you and prepare you for the greatness that was going to come afterwards. The, how much better it was going to be. You had to have each thing told to you before. Now you have the Spirit. You, you have the law written on your hearts. So he's saying, leave that old stuff. And that's really the point of Hebrews. Um, we, there's a lot of stuff in there. Talks about Sabbath and sacrifices and priests and all kinds of stuff. And if you don't, again, if you don't know the Old Testament, it can be confusing. But if you want to know what what's really the point of Hebrews, um, to put it in today's language again, is get a new iPod manual. Get the iPod Touch and get the new manual. It's better in so many ways. So get it. Um, leave that stuff behind. Just don't worry about it. It was. It helps you to understand this new one because it, the foundations are the same but it's been changed there's new revelation there's a new product and you need to let go of that old stuff you need to, to not get hung up on the owner's manual and all of its rules about how it's supposed to work embrace the new one get the new manual get the spirit okay so that's the point of Hebrews I do want to read Hebrews chapter 11 really quick because it's a great chapter and I think hopefully it will be encouraging and I don't have too much to say about it, and then we will be done very quickly. Sorry. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. 
For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called a God, for he prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from, the de- from death. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith Joseph when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him, from th- hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So, I know that's really long. Some of the stories were like, what? What are they talking about? Like, Joseph and his bones. What is he saying here? 
he's talking about God's promises. If you if you look through this and you know the Old Testament um, and you, you've read it, you see God's promises in this. Every time it says, by faith, Abraham did this. For example, he went. God says, do this, you will become the father of many nations. And Abraham believed him. He went. And he says, it is through Isaac that you will become the father of many nations. And then he says, kill Isaac. Abraham's like, what? <laughs> uh, okay, God, I know that Isaac is supposed to be the chosen son, so I guess you're going to raise him from the dead. And so he was going to kill Isaac because he had faith in God's promise. Why? It says, because they believed that the person who promised it was faithful. Now, if I promised you, if I said um, to Rachel, Christian is the child of promise, and everything will come through him, and then one day I said, now kill Christian, (laughs) Rachel would be like, "Uh, no. Because she knows that I'm not powerful. She knows that I don't have the power to raise him from the dead, and she knows that I've broken promises before. I'm not a perfect person so it's all about who you put your faith in it's commending them for their faith but it's also commending them for who they put their faith in they understood that it wasn't just about their faith that they did those things it was that they put their faith in a powerful God and then it talks about those people they went around in sheepskins and goatskins they were sawed in two they did all this stuff and they were tortured and the world was not worthy of them they were so great because not because they were great people Abraham he made so many mistakes the Old Testament is like a, a book of mistakes <laughs> these people God working through the horrible horrible faults of people because Abraham and Judah and all these people they did some really bad stuff don't use the book of Genesis as like a family learning guide because you're not going to learn a lot of good stuff about family in there but God used them because they believed he was faithful and they, the world wasn't worthy of them because they were looking for something else. And the Bible says of us, we are foreigners, we're strangers. Now, I've talked about this before. Rachel and I, we moved to China. We were foreigners. And we love China. We want to go back. But ultimately, we never fit in. Like, we're never going to. I'm big and white. <laughs> Most people are not. They eat pickled chicken feet. I don't really like pickled chicken feet. You know, like... There were things that showed us on a pretty regular basis that it was not really our home country. And I remember very clearly, um, when I was in high school, I went to Peru uh, on a mission trip. I was like a junior in high school. And I came back, and I remember being there and feeling like I didn't really fit in. It was, you know, I didn't speak Spanish great then, and I still really don't. And I came back, but I felt like in some ways that there's some ways that I fit in better there like there were things that I really liked about that culture and there were things that I really liked about my own culture for the first time in my life I kind of felt stuck in the middle Uh, and I was like you know what for the first time in my life I think I really understand in my heart what it means that this world isn't my home because I don't feel at home in America and I don't feel at home there there's a kind of the saying about missionaries, especially says the only place they're at home is on the plane ride. Because <laughs> when they get in America, they want to be in the country where they work. And when they're in the country where they work, they want to be in America. And so they're only ever at home on the plane ride. And really what I'm saying is, like, ultimately, this isn't our home. And it's so easy to, to, to sit down and be comfortable and stay here. But these people, this hall of 
the Faith Hall of Fame, they realized that the world was not their home. They realized that this country is not a very good country. Um, Cambodia is not a very good country. I would not willingly go back there unless it was to do some work to help them because it's a really bad country. It's Everything is broken all the time. And um, again, it's something in my life that helped me to see a spiritual reality. To look at and be in that country and not feel at home because everything is broken and say, you know what? This is my attitude, what my attitude should be of the world. It's broken down here and this is not my home. As a Christian, as a child of God, I have a better city. I'm looking forward to going home. The place that I really have not even ever been to. But it is my home. It's where I fit in. And that's what those people saw. That's why they believed God. That's why they trusted Him. And that's why they were commended for their faith. So, <clears throat> that's Hebrews. And we'll pray and we can go down and get set up for the big thing. Lord, thank you so much for our home, our true home with you. And we ask that you give us eyes to see it. Um, to chase after you. To, to long for that heavenly country. That city built by you. That perfect place. It is fine and good for us to hope for heaven, Lord. We just talked about that in the past hour. I guess that you give us joy and you want, give us uh, a yearning, a desire to be there, to want that, to be filled with joy and to know you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.